What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Wednesday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. That is where you find all of our latest podcasts, articles, news and notes, polls, any baseball content at all that we post at Sports Ethos. We do share it out through EthosFantasyBB on Twitter. So make sure you guys are following us over there. If you're not somebody who uses social media, please do go to SportsEthos.com and you'll find all that same great work over there. Now, today's show topic has been kind of a struggle for me. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the Soto news to get finalized. And at this point, it appears to be pretty finalized. Now, John Morosi is the one who reported it the most concretely and the most recently. Um, Now, there's always news coming in constantly. So by the time you guys hear this, it might be differently. But... As of an hour ago, the trade uh, agreement is being finalized. Now, this right now, the most recent reporting is that there's a delay because uh, San Diego side, as they're reviewing a medical review, um, that is why it hasn't fully been announced yet. Now, I'm going to be operating under the assumption today that this trade will, in fact, go through, and it will happen. Now, by the time you guys hear this, It may be an obsolete show that we are doing here where the information we're talking about does not matter at all, but we do one of these shows every single day. So if something happens tomorrow, we'll talk about it that will, you know, anything that maybe the trade falls through or there's pieces that are not actually being moved or there's been some kind of switch or whatever, we got you constantly covered. And that's why I recommend following on social media as well. You guys are following the beat reporters. You guys are following all these guys as well as we are, but we're just giving you those instant takes on what happens But I want to give you um, my take on this trade as of right now because it does appear that it is pretty, pretty damn close to being finalized. Um, It's a medical review problem from San Diego's side. So uh, unless it's something that's really, truly serious and there's no indication that it's a terribly serious matter, we really don't know. but I think it's going to go through. So we're going to be operating under the assumption today that Juan Soto is now, in fact, a New York Yankee and what that will look like. And I do want to start off by saying, first of all, Juan Soto played 214 games as a San Diego Padre. If this is all confirmed, and like I said, we're going to just assume that it is true, once Soto's time in San Diego is done, and it's 214 games, a year and a half, in a Padres uniform. They gave up C.J. Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, James Wood, and Jarlon Susana, as well as Luke Voigt, Lowell, um, to acquire him last year, and they got a year and a half out of him. They went to the NLCS last year, which early returns looked really good. Didn't think they would even be doing that last year. Uh, And then this season, they did not do very well, as we all know the Padres. were one of the unluckier teams in baseball, but they did not do terribly well. Now, they gave Xander Bogarts $280 million last year, in what is looking like it's going to be one of the worst contracts in baseball. Not to say that Xander's a terrible player or anything, but you got a guy locked in for a very, very long time that's probably not going to be getting anything, you know, you're not going to be getting returns anywhere close to what you have in the past from Bogarts. He had an okay season. He played most of the year. He had a good batting average, which he always kind of does, but you're tied into Bogarts now for the next, like, seven years, is it? It's a long-ass time. Uh, where they have to be, you know, paying that large sum of money to Bogarts. Now, that money could have, should have been allocated towards Juan Soto. 
it was not it doesn't seem like they really made much of an attempt to try and retain him. I know that he said he wanted to dip his toe in the free agency, but if you gave him a proper enough offer that shows respect to the name and to the talent, then you probably wouldn't be in a situation where you are trading him for what looks like kind of not a great return. It's not something that I, I think you look at it as eye-popping. Like what Washington got for him last year seemed to be pretty eye-popping, right? Abrams, Mackenzie Gore, James Wood, these guys are all top-tier prospects. We saw Abrams you know, really perform in the second half, even though there were some flaws there that we've discussed, of course, on the show. But still, he really already uh, was looking excellent. And he's like 21, 22 years old. Mackenzie Gore has shown flashes of being excellent. And James Wood is also still a top-tier prospect. Susan is still in the lower levels. He's still like 19 years old. Don't know what he's going to be, but it was a hell of a return. Uh, and was it actually Robert Hassel as well in that trade? I think it was. There was just so many pieces to that puzzle um, that went towards Washington in that trade. And we're not really seeing that return here with what it appears is going to be happening um, in this particular Juan Soto trade. It's crazy that we're having another Juan Soto trade, but here we are. It looks like it's going to be Michael King. It's going to be Drew Thorpe. It's going to be Johnny Brito. It's going to be Randy Vasquez, and it's going to be Kyle Higashioka. So we've talked about Michael King a little bit on this show. I'm a big fan of Michael King. I think that he was really solid in the second half of the season, especially in those last six starts of the year. But I don't think that he is somebody who is going to change your franchise in any real way. He's a free agent in 2026. So you got a couple of years of team control under him. He's 28 years old. He's mostly been a reliever. So you don't really know what he's going to look like as a starter long term. Is Michael King somebody who is going to be able to start, you know, 40, or excuse me, 32 games in a season? No, he's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to give you a full workload. He's a guy who's thrown 104 innings maximum in a season. In the time that you have with him, which is a couple of years, maybe he can resign. Maybe he can build up a little bit. But like you don't really have this young asset in Michael King that you can work with for a couple of years and kind of build into that starter. He's already 28 years old. He's going to be 29 at the beginning of next year. So what are you exactly getting for Michael King? Are you getting a couple of years of a guy who's going to kind of platoon in and out of the rotation? He's going to be somebody that you trust sometimes and other times that you – you know, you're not really sure what you're going to get out of him. Is he going to be a guy that is a front end of the rotation starter? Is he going to be, what is he going to be a closer again? Because we've seen him kind of, you know, at times be a closer. He did have six saves this year. His role is really undetermined, and I don't. I know the skills looked really good in the second half, and really for the whole last couple of seasons, he's looked really good. But this is at the end of the day a relief pitcher, right? And maybe they can get enough juice out of him that he's like a really solid mid piece in the rotation like a number three guy but I don't think that he's going to be somebody that really changes up your franchise a team that is going to be I don't know if it's going to I could say desperate need of pitching but it's really not looking that great for San Diego really at all at this point uh, without Soto on that roster it really changes everything but their pitching in particular is not at all the team that as of a couple of years ago did look like it might have kind of a scary starting rotation Right now, you're looking at Joe Musgrove, and there's some injury concerns with Musgrove. You got you, Darvish. And then after that, your rotation right now is Matt Waldron, Pedro Avila, and Jay Groom. That is before this trade goes through. That's what it looks like. Musgrove, who there's a lot of problems injury-wise with that shoulder. I'm not really sure how much I'm going to trust him. Sneak peek into the ADP fade show we're going to do tomorrow. 
assuming that there's nothing else that we have to do a break and show about, um, I'm going to be kind of fading Joe Musgrove this year because I think the price is a little bit too high to be worrying about what's going to happen with the shoulder and if he can stay healthy. And then you got 37-year-old Hugh Darvish, who you don't really know what you're going to get out of him at this point. It's just not a situation where you're feeling that confident at this point. I mean, he had a 456 ERA this year. He's 37 years old. I just don't know that he's going to be somebody that's going to be giving you that many great innings again. And then after that, you got nothing. Matt Waldron, Pedro Avila, and Jay Groom. I mean, we're talking about guys who are in their mid to later 20s, guys that are not really exceptional in any way, not a lot of service time at all. You're not looking at a very strong rotation, and I don't know that Michael King comes in there and really solidifies that in any which way. He's a guy that could very easily go out there, you try and have him as a starter, and he has four shit house starts in a row. And then you put him back in the pen, and then you've traded Juan Soto with the main piece being a reliever. Now, he may not be the main piece because some people will argue that Drew Thorpe is the main piece. And I think that's probably fair to say based on the prospect pedigree that we have seen from him. Now, he's 23 years old. He's just turned 23 a couple months ago. Now, the thing with him is that he has only had five starts at AA. That is the highest level he's reached. Now, it's not bad for his age at 22, but it's not like amazing either uh, all things considered like it's just when he was drafted he was drafted in 2022 um it's only like against him but at, at that age like i'd rather you know you'd be maybe triple a it's not a, it's not really a huge thing it's not like he's completely out of pocket being 22 years old in double a i would just you know you'd rather especially for being the prize return for Juan Soto. I don't care how many years left on his contract. You would just kind of hope for a little bit more of a track record. Now, what we saw was a 148 ERA. It was a 182 XFIP. He has incredible strikeout numbers, 40%, only a 4.5% walk rate. The numbers were really, really good. But again, it's five starts at the AA level. You just don't know what you're going to be getting at all. And he is probably the centerpiece of this trade. It's either, depending on who you want to ask and depending on how you view their timeline exactly, it could be King, it could be Thorpe. I really honestly don't know at this point because I don't think that either one of them is really that great of a centerpiece for Juan Soto. You look at, like I said, look at the Nationals' return. They got a bunch of pieces in that trade and a few guys who are looking like they could potentially be stars. Hassel, Wood, Abrams, they all look like they could be stars. And Mackenzie Gore could be a solid number three guy, potentially even maybe a number two guy in a rotation. So... I'm not really sure about this return. I know there's less time left on the contract than what was being paid by the Nationals. That's why they obviously got a better return because there was more team control on Soto at the time. But this is just looking pretty, pretty damn bleak if you're a Padres fan. I mean, let's keep going through the return here, but it's not it's not great. I, I really don't have much to say here about the rest of these guys either. Johnny Brito is somebody that we saw at the Major League level this season 25 games, 13 starts. It was 90 innings. Now, he wasn't bad. He had a 428 ERA. He had a 466 XFIP. You're, you're talking about a 19.4% strikeout rate and a 7.5% walk rate. At this point, it looks like he'd probably go into that Padres rotation or he'd be at least competing for a spot in spring training. But you're not talking about a guy who has ever in any season pitched more than like 120 or so innings. Um, and. 14 you got in 2021 2022 you're looking about the same 2023 it's 126 it's not a lot of innings built up so I don't know what you're going to necessarily expect out of him performance wise or volume wise 
maybe you get 130 innings of like a four or something ERA, and that is valuable for a major league team to have those kind of depth pieces. But again, I say it's Juan Soto. There are pitchers on the free agent market you can find that are you know similar comps to Brito, 25, 26 years old, not even necessarily just free agents, but guys that are available in trade and whatever, waivers, rule five, whatever it is, guys that you can have that are similar comps to what the skill set is that Brito provides, which is low strikeouts, kind of just, you know, decent ground ball guy, 44%, just not special, not a special player in any sense as a return, as a centerpiece of a trade, or not even as a centerpiece, but as one of the centerpieces. Because, I mean, again, it's King and it's Thorpe, but you're talking all these guys – you know, they should bring something to the table. They shouldn't just be fillers, random guys that might be on the team for, you know, another three, four, five seasons, and then you're going to let them go in free agency. Like, you you should be hoping for a little more than just innings filler, in my opinion, and that's kind of what Brito could be and probably is, is just innings filler at the back end of that rotation. I don't really think that there is much to say about him at all. There's going to be no fantasy relevance really this season, I don't think, outside of maybe deeper leagues. But, I mean, it's probably going to be like draft and hold type of leagues, and I know not a lot of people play in draft and hold, so I don't really know what exactly the market is going to be for him in fantasy, but it's not going to be anything uh, that I'm going to be terribly interested in. Now, Randy Vasquez is the fourth out of the five pieces in that return. Again, not a guy that is terribly interesting at all to me. He threw 37 innings in the bigs this season. It was good. It was a 287 ERA, but it's also shown to be very lucky based on what we're seeing by the supporting numbers. A 527 XFIP, a 527 X ERA. Uh, if you're talking about his Sierra, it is 493. He stranded 89% of base runners. He only allowed a 236 BAPIP, so it allowed him to get kind of lucky, and he had some good results. It was five starts, 11 total appearances. But again, not a guy that you can really rely on for a hell of a lot, similar to Brito, very similar in a lot of ways, except he walks more guys. That He's just a slightly worse version of Brito, I think, and I don't really know what you're going to really expect from him at the big league level, but even at the lower levels of the minors, he wasn't somebody who was that great. You're talking about in AA in 2022, 115 innings where he had a 390 ERA with a 410 XFIP. You go up to AAA in 2023, it was 80 innings of a 459 ERA, you know, pretty solid strikeout numbers there, 27%, but also an 11.2% walk rate. So there's not really a lot to go on here, I don't think, if you're a Padres fan. And the last piece of the return is Kyle Higashioka. And we know Kyle Higashioka is obviously the catcher slash kind of worked as a backup catcher for the Yankees over the last few seasons. There's not a hell of a lot here, I'm sorry to say. I know that's kind of been the common refrain talking about this return, but Kyle Higashioka is a guy who is kind of just a fill-in at catcher, typical catcher, low batting average, decent pop in the bat. If he played a whole season behind the dish, you'd probably think he'd give you like close to 20 homers, you know, maybe 17 or so. He, you know, career high in games is 92, but if he gave you like, and maybe I'm even pushing it a little bit, maybe it's like 15 homers. He's just very average. He's not even really worthy of being a catcher too in fantasy. Like by the time I pull rankings together, he'll probably be like off the top of my head, like 27, 20, 28, 26, like in that kind of range. So maybe he's worth it at the back end uh, as a catcher number two, if you're in a two catcher league only, but there's just not a lot there, right? He's just a catcher because they need a catcher here. This trade, I don't, I don't mean to beat the dead horse, but it looks like a terrible trade. It really looks like nothing that is going to 
ever really be turning out into a, a, a good trade for the Padres. Like, I just, I, I, I don't know why they're doing it. I really don't. They gave the money to Bogarts. Maybe they can't justify giving any more money to Juan Soto. Maybe there was negotiations internally where Soto, Soto said, I'm not coming back, so trade me. Maybe that's what it is, but it looks pretty bad. And it's reported that Trent Grisham is going back along with Soto as well. So there is that part of it. And now let's talk about what the Yankees are getting because the Yankees are obviously getting the much greater return here, obviously, in the generational talent in Juan Soto. We've talked about him quite a bit, of course, even over the course of the last few weeks, just about how people kind of underrate him still because these last couple of years were quote-unquote down years. They weren't what exactly you were expecting after he just burst onto the scene as a rookie and as a sophomore and just was putting up MVP numbers right out of the gate. They haven't quite been at that exact same level, but they've been pretty damn close and the underlying numbers still support. Soto is a top five or seven talent in the game offensively at worst, at absolute worst. And probably by saying top seven, I'm, I'm selling them short. You're probably talking about a top five talent inarguably as an offensive player, just overall, right? In these down seasons, 155 WRC plus, 145 WRC plus. He's been a player and a half worth of production in that lineup. He's just been a ridiculous talent. Now, it really comes down to whether or not the Yankees are able to convince him to sign long-term because then they'll look just as foolish, maybe not quite as foolish because the return isn't as much as the Padres, giving up, you know, a little bit. I'm not, I'm not going to say it's a lot because it's really not, but giving up players, five of them, for a guy that you only have for one season would be seen as a huge failure, especially if he walks out of New York. That would be awful, right? But in terms of next season, because that's all we got to look at here, because we obviously just talk about redraft. There are great dynasty shows that will dissect the dynasty value here, but we're just going to talk about 2024. I don't really see much of a, a reason to move Juan Soto anywhere outside of where he's already going, which is kind of the end of the first round range in most drafts. That's generally where you're seeing him go. 14.85 is the ADP. Eight is his minimum pick. 34, surprisingly, is his maximum pick. It is a very high maximum pick. I don't know how he fell to the beginning of the third round, but that team, I can't even imagine what it looks like with that construction of Soto in the third. It's probably going to be pretty damn scary. He should be going right where he's going. You know, you don't necessarily have the same amazing supporting cast that you would have had where you're talking Tatis and Machado and even Bogarts to some extent and Kim, but you're probably going to be batting either right in front of or right behind Aaron Judge. And one way or the other, that is going to lead to opportunities for Soto. Either A, he'll get on base more than he already does, and he's already historically great at getting on base, but maybe you'll have him batting right ahead of Aaron Judge, and there will be some times. And I guess teams are going to really have to choose. And late in the game, it'll probably come down to who at what the reliever of uh, what the reliever's handedness is. If you have a better lefty, then you're probably going to pitch to Judge and go for, or excuse me, pitch to Soto and then work around Judge. If it's the reverse handedness, if you have a better righty, maybe you'll be more aggressively pitching to Aaron Judge and it'll be kind of reversed that way. But you'll either have Soto getting on base more because teams are avoiding Judge, or you'll have Soto and an opportunity to actually swing the bat because teams have avoided Judge to get to Soto. I don't know how the lineup will shake out. It'll be either two, three, or you know maybe one and two. There's been talk of maybe Soto could be a leadoff hitter. I don't love it from a fantasy point of view because you kind of kill your RBI potential, especially because the bottom of the Yankees lineup is not going to be terribly great. 
it's going to be all right, but it's not going to be like what we're seeing at the top of the order here where you've got Judge around him, specifically Judge. I mean, that's really obviously the big appeal here offensively in terms of what you're going to have around you in New York. Not to take anything against like Volpe or even Stanton or LeMahieu, but it's it's really you got Judge and then maybe Glaber Torres to some extent. And I've also talked about how Anthony Rizzo is a really nice value. He's somebody that I think could bounce back this season if he's healthy. Then he's another guy uh, that could be benefited by Soto, and they can kind of work hand-in-hand and helping out each other there, offensively speaking. But I don't really think it matters if Soto's two or if Soto's number three. It's looking like it's going to be... um, it's looking like it's going to be good. Sorry, I just had a bit of a heart attack because Jeff Passan just tweeted out something, but it was just Adam Simber signing a contract with the Angels. So whenever I see Passan, whenever the phone buzzes, I, I it's like an emergency at this point in time, just rushing over there to see what is going on. Uh, specifically, if it's a Passan suite, then your heart kind of drops at this point. Maybe it's just me because I'm a complete sicko. But in any event, Juan Soto in New York with that short porch in right field, it's going to look really nice. So it will offset potentially leaving some nicer pieces around him in San Diego and going to a place where it might just be Aaron judge. Who's the main offensive talent around him. But I think the park there with that way, that field is constructed. And I know Soto is a guy who will go opposite field. He'll use all fields, but if he works on a couple little things and you got to think at his age with his baseball IQ, that he'll be able to work on a couple of things that he'll be able to change a couple of things and make his swing more pull heavy and you'll be able to see probably 40 home runs at Yankee Stadium. I wouldn't be surprised. In fact, I almost would be surprised if Soto doesn't get to 40 if he's healthy. And he played 162 this year. And he hit, what was it, 35, I believe it was. If he's playing, uh, what was it, 35? Yeah, it was 35 home runs, which was a career high, by the way. If he's playing 162 or even 155 at Yankee Stadium, and I know they're not all at Yankee Stadium, but you get my point. I think we're seeing 40 home runs probably from Juan Soto. The rest of the profile is probably going to look about the same in terms of runs, RBIs, stolen bases, and batting average. I don't think it'll be drastically different one way or the other, but we might see a bit of an uptick in homers uh, for Mr. Soto if that is the case. Now, the last piece of the trade here is Trent Grisham. Now, Trent Grisham, I don't know what his role is going to be. It's not going to be anything too grand in New York, I don't think. I'm not even 100% sure if he would be retained necessarily because New York acquired Alex Verdugo yesterday. Not something that I need to do a whole show about, but it's something we can mention. Alex Verdugo is looking like he's going to be a Yankee, another guy that I forgot to mention there. But their outfield at this point in time looks like it's going to be Verdugo. It looks like it's going to be Judge, and it looks like it's going to be Soto. I don't know what the role is going to be for Trent Grisham, maybe as a kind of bench bat, but he's not somebody who can play the infield. He's a center fielder. He's pretty good defensively, so that might be what they end up doing is maybe trying to preserve Judge a little bit, having him DH maybe a little bit more as he gets into his 30s. They'll use Grisham potentially in center field, Soto in left, and maybe Verdugo in right or something along those lines. I'm really not sure, but I don't think that Trent Grisham is going to be somebody that has a hell of a lot of fantasy juice. Like Offensively speaking, just if you're looking at like WRC+, the last two seasons, playing full seasons, 153 and 152, you're looking at a 91 and an 84 WRC+, respectively. So there's really not a lot to go on there to think that they're going to try and find ways to get him in the lineup. Defensively speaking, yes. But offensively speaking, it's just like he is really a drag on your lineup. He's a guy who has batted under 200 in each of the last two seasons. 
He gets on base a decent clip. You know, walk rate's always above 10%. This year was actually 13.5%, which is incredible. It's actually amazing. But he's just not doing enough in the other areas. Will they find time for him to play? Maybe. But he's not somebody that has any interest in fantasy at that point. The price is okay if you really do want to take a shot on Trent Grisham and you think there'll be every day at bats. I don't really think so, but 631 is the price. 392 is the minimum. 635 is the maximum. He's only been taken in 81 drafts. In total, there's been 81. He's been taken in 38. So not somebody that's even necessarily going to be drafted in all formats if you really want to take a chance on him. Then you're absolutely able to. I just don't really think that that's going to pay off so well. I think the Padres come off pretty poorly here. And I think it just goes back to, like I said at the beginning, that their asset management in this whole affair with Juan Soto has been dreadful. Now, you take the chance and you go get Soto. You go out and you make the trade. And I I don't think you can really fault them for making that initial push to acquire him last season. But it was only just last season. You're already going to – and again, we don't know everything. I might be talking into my ass because I don't have all the details here which would not be the first time, but maybe Soto said behind the scenes, I'm not coming back. If you guys want to trade me and get some value, then do it. And maybe that's what happened, and that's why they're doing this. But I don't know how you don't make every single push you can to sign a 25-year-old who is as talented as Soto is. I don't know what's going to happen with New York. I would imagine that Soto probably will sign with New York long-term. That would be my initial guess, my initial reaction, is that he is going to be a Yankee probably for the rest of his career. And as a Blue Jay fan, I have no comfort or happiness in saying that, but I just think this will be his third team already before his age 25 season. That's a lot for anybody, let alone somebody who is this talented. Now, will he want to move again next year? Maybe he just rents for a year and doesn't actually properly settle down, and that's when we'll have all the rumors going going along with everything here. I don't know. But that will really be a big question to me is, will he want to actually have a fourth city that he's playing in in four years at that point? Or will he want to say, okay, I'm in New York. I want to be a big star. And based on his persona, based on all the, you know, some of the gimmicks with his, you know, the shuffle and just being the big personality that he is, I could see him being a really good fit in New York. With that talent level, he could be a guy who is just the next big Yankee superstar. And again, I take no comfort in saying that as a lifelong Blue Jay and AL East fan. It's not what I want to see, but I think for Soto and for the league, it really does make sense. I could see the league pushing for it. I could see his agents pushing for it. I think it would make sense for Juan Soto to be a Yankee long-term. He's been in a couple of markets that are not the biggest necessarily, and you don't associate with the biggest stars, Washington and San Diego. He gets to New York. That's going to be a whole different experience for him. So we'll have to see how he reacts, how he likes it. Maybe there's a part of this trade that includes a contract. Maybe they'll get traded, and as he gets traded, there will be a deal signed as well, and maybe that's part of what's holding this up. I know they've said that it's physicals, but maybe it is something along the lines of they want to put pen to paper. They don't only just want to trade for Soto, but it's like not like a sign-and-trade necessarily, but they, kind of something along those lines is what I'm thinking potentially could be in the works. I have not heard that anywhere, but it's something that I think would make sense from the Yankees' perspective even to explore. I don't know that it's even possible, but something worth exploring. In any event, 
that's pretty much it. Um, the Yankees, it looks like they're making out real well here. It looks like they're not really giving up a hell of a lot. Certainly not off their active major league roster right now. It's just King and Higashioka, and you're getting back a guy who, you know, if you do convince him to sign, it's going to be the best trade the Yankees have made since Babe Ruth, probably. Like, it's going to, I don't want to over-exaggerate, but that's pretty much what you're talking about here. They're not giving up anything. Even if Drew Thorpe turns into a really, really reliable starting pitcher, even if he's a star three years from now, even if Michael King turns into a really good starting pitcher himself, there's not going to be enough there to justify it. As long as he signs in New York, then there's not anything that can justify this trade for the Padres. They are foolish for not doing everything they possibly could have to make Juan Soto a Padre for life. They have the money. They've shown it. They've signed Machado to massive contract. Tatis got the big contract. Bogart's got the big contract. I think it's not really right that they didn't even try and do that with Soto. Again, apologies if I'm leaving out any context there. I don't think I am. It just looks like they wanted to move on and not spend the money, which is always shitty from a fan perspective. And from a fan of the game's perspective, you know, you don't want to see guys get traded all the time, especially superstar. You see the potential for him there with Machado and Tatis and Bogarts, and you're thinking, holy shit, this is going to be something. And we didn't really fully get to see it based on the fact that Machado had kind of a down year. Tatis missed the first part of the season, wasn't full-blown Tatis last year. And, of course, Soto was having a down year himself. So it's a shame we didn't get to see that offense fully come to fruition in the way that we think a lot of people thought that it was going to. But in any event, that'll do it. This whole episode might turn out to be completely useless and bullshit by the time you guys are listening to it, and I hope that's not the case. Part of me kind of does, because I hope that this does fall through from a, from a fan perspective, obviously, being a Jays fan. If it fell through and it turned out Soto was staying in San Diego or getting traded somewhere else, I'd be okay with it. But this is a daily show. Like I said, we talk about what's going on on the day of, and I did one of these kind of not, not like this kind of show, but I did a similar show on Monday talking about all the rumors that have been going around, not just about Soda. We talked about Yamamoto and Otani. We talked about the Kellenic trade and a bunch of different things, but I just wanted to talk about it again because it truly is the biggest story of the day. I know Otani is also a huge story, but today the whole world has been just waiting for Jeff Passan to say, or even Rosenthal or anybody of that ilk to say, Soto's done. It's done. And Morosi pretty much said it. He said it's being finalized. That was about an hour and a half ago. So I operated under the assumption today that the trade is done. If that turns out to be wrong, then I'll feel foolish about it. But that's just the way the world works. I wanted to talk about what is relevant because I think that's what you guys are interested in. But any questions, fantasy-wise, real-life-wise, or anything in between, of course, always on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB and at sportsethos.com, as always, guys. Take care. Tomorrow, we will get back to the ADP shows, assuming there's no other dynamite that gets dropped on Major League Baseball. Uh, We will get back to talking about ADP fades tomorrow between picks 100 and 200. But until then, take care, have a great night, and cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.